why are you laughing? It's the pink cup, right? That's why you're laughing, because I have a pink cup of water up here. It's the biggest thing I could find. One of the reasons. Thank you. Several years ago, Hannah was a baby. We were coming back from Borger, Texas. That's my hometown, and it's 500 miles from here. We got just south of Ennis on I-45, probably five, six miles from uh, Corsicana, somewhere in there. And we're in the left lane. We're in our van. We used to have a minivan. And we are cruising home, so we're 430 miles of our 500-mile trip home, and we have a blowout in the fast lane. And uh, it was pretty interesting. So we we work our way over, and we get on the side of the road, and uh, luckily there's a little uh, service road over there on the side, and we were able to get over there. But we had everything. This is when, you know, you, you travel with a baby, so you got all kinds of stuff. So we, we have to pull everything out of the van, and there's a pile in fact, when my kids ran behind the pile, you couldn't see them with all the luggage and all the presents and everything. And I had to change uh, that tire. And that's one of the most interesting flats that I've ever had. Um, have any of y'all ever had a blowout while driving? Does a blowout come at a convenient time? Does a blowout sometimes get messy? Does a blowout sometimes cause stress? The amount of stress that the blowout causes is directly proportional to your attitude during the blowout. Would you agree with that? If you're in a hurry, then the blowout's bad. If you're not in a hurry, it's not such a big deal. It can be an adventure. Well, we're going to define blowout as this. It's a sudden rupture or bursting. Any of y'all ever had one of those in your marriage? Don't point fingers or elbow. That's just a yes or no thing. Well, we're going to talk today Before we do our uh, covenant marriage ceremony, we're going to talk about what causes blowouts in marriage. And let's run through these very quickly. First is poor maintenance. Maintenance requires time. We're so busy nowadays that we cut corners. And we have to cheat somewhere. And guess where we cheat? We cheat our marriages. We cheat our families. Um, We cut corners on the maintenance there. You cannot rotate tires, or at least I haven't seen it done, at 70 miles per hour. That'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Um, Think about this, though. The faster we travel, the faster you're moving, the more damage that the blowout is likely to do. What happens in our conversation is something like this. When we're in the fast lane, how was your day? It was fine. What's for supper? I don't know. What time is baseball practice? Six. Okay, see you later. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Right? And we skim. We're cheating our marriages because our pace is too fast. We get in the mode of just keeping our heads above the water. And we push the really important stuff aside. Because we just don't have enough time to talk. We don't have enough time to focus on important things. Because we're too busy doing really unimportant things. Right? Heartfelt conversations. Spiritual talks. Major roadblocks that need our attention. (laughs) We just speed around them because we don't have time. And we hope that maybe they'll go away. But they don't. And then one day, maybe during a marriage series, we look up in our rearview mirror and we see all of these wrecks in our past that our pace of life has caused because we refused to focus on what was really important. We refused to focus on maintenance. And uh, you just got to remember, maintenance requires time. And and marriage is really what you make of it. It's it's work. Um, But if your marriage is bad, it's because you've not done maintenance. And you need to work on that. So you can pay a little bit of price now, which is a little bit of time and energy, or you can pay major the rest of your life through divorce, through shuffling kids around, 
Um, that's just the reality. You've got to maintain your marriage. Second thing causes blowouts in marriage is road hazards. Nowadays, just about everybody has road hazard insurance on their tires. Why? Because stuff happens. There's things in the road that you don't see. We were going to Ennis Friday night for uh, Rachel's birthday party. We're going to the drive-in movie, and we got to uh, Cayuga. Sat there on the road for a while, and then all of a sudden, they made us turn right there before... Actually, this is in Bethel. They made us turn right before the football field, and we went way in the boonies. And we're following 18 wheelers. There's at least 60 or 70 cars in this convoy. And the road gets narrower and narrower. And the 18 wheelers are knocking branches down and stuff. And then we get around to the other side. We finally make this big U-shape, get back to 287. Not, not really more than a mile or so from where we had left. And there's a huge 18 wheeler on, on its side. And uh, it's pretty sobering to, to see something like that and realize, oh, that's why we had a little bit of inconvenience because who knows what caused that wreck. Um, speed may have been a factor. I don't know what was going on, but there are road hazards out there, and so people need insurance. Finances, unexpected bills, relationship problems with friends, relationship problems with in-laws, relationship problems with family, relationship problems with your kids. All of these things are lurking in your future. But because we're so overcommitted and overstimulated, we don't see those things. We're shopping and soccering and recreating and traveling ourselves into oblivion. And when we're moving so fast, there's no way we can avoid the road hazards. Got to slow down. Third thing that causes blowouts is unskilled drivers. Unskilled drivers tear up tires in a hurry. Just ask Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. Robert Duvall showed him that. Some of y'all don't even know that, so that that went over like a lead balloon. Unskilled marriage partners... It's basically Top Gun on, on the, the ground is Days of Thunder. So if you've seen Top Gun, you know that. Unskilled drivers can tear up a marriage. We learned poor communication skills many times from our families. And uh, some folks grew up where, where love was not expressed appropriately. But conflict, we, that was expressed. And in some unhealthy ways. Let me tell you some unhealthy ways to express yourself when you're angry or when you're in conflict. Here's one, the landmine style for resolving conflict. This is where parents fight and you kind of avoid it and then you hope that everything's good because it calms down in there. And, and it's like the parents dig these little bitty holes and they place landmines around because everything's going good and all of a sudden somebody's walking through the living room and click. And you know it's about to happen. And it's this fight is on. And you didn't even realize what was going on. That's an unhealthy style. The landmine where you're just waiting for somebody to trip that wire and to get under your skin. There's the foxhole style, <clears throat> which is when there was conflict, maybe your parents dug this little foxhole and they went and they jumped in it and they hid. And they hoped that if they ignored the conflict long enough, that things would smooth over. And they hoped that everything would get well while they're in the foxhole. But they believe that lie that time heals all wounds. It doesn't. Time causes wounds to fester. Bible says we're supposed to work on those and communicate about those, and that's how the wounds get well, not by just hiding and hoping that things um, will go away. And, you know, a lot of us, we watched our parents do these things, and we said those famous lines, I'll never act like my parents. But it's so ingrained in you that when you get under stress, you know what you do? You act exactly like your parents. You find yourself doing those things. There's another unhealthy way to deal with conflict, and that's the make-a-list style. 
This person has a mental list of everything you've ever done wrong. And they bring it up as soon as you make them mad. And see, forgiveness is really never offered with this style because you messed up before, which means you're going to mess up again, and I'm just watching till you do it. There's another unhealthy style. It's the read-my-mind style. What's wrong, honey? Nothing. Come on, honey. I know something's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Well, why don't you tell me? Well, if I have to tell you there's something wrong. And so guys go away. You know, I'm assuming this is... The female side, maybe that's wrong. Guys go away scratching their heads, you know. And, and let me just tell you this, ladies. No one can read your mind except God. And you figured out a long time ago, we're not God. So cut us some slack. We can't read your mind. <clears throat> For most, most of us, no one ever taught us how to deal correctly with communication. So blowouts happen way too often. So here's the truth. Your marriage is either growing closer together or it's growing farther apart. Relationships never stand still. If you're not growing closer right now, guess what? The only other option is you're moving apart because you do not stay in neutral relationally. Marriages are what you make of them, so we're going to try to learn how not to be a statistic today. We're going to try to learn how to um, communicate effectively. So we're going to look at our theme verse. Here's our theme verse for today. It's Proverbs thirteen seventeen. Reliable communication permits progress. If you have the listening guide there, is that on your listening guide? Circle that word progress. If you want your marriage to survive and thrive, you have to talk. You've got to communicate. But that's not what's happening. Newsweek said that the average couple talks to each other alone, alone, four minutes a day. The average couple spends 47 hours in front of the television a week and spends about 30 minutes total in communication with each other. Do you think that's going to make it? Ladies, can you exist on 30 minutes of conversation with your husband? No, you can't. So let's figure out, how do you communicate effectively? Number one, practice affirmation. Fastest way to put a spark back in your marriage is for you to start saying nice things about your spouse again. Catch them doing something right and tell them. Admire their strengths instead of focusing on their weaknesses. How many in here want somebody to get a microscope and focus on every one of your weaknesses and broadcast them for everyone around to see? Anyone? Stop doing that to your spouse then. You can't focus on that stuff. You focus on the negative, you become negative. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11. So encourage each other and give each other strength just as you are doing now. Encourage means you put courage in. Discourage means you take courage out. So let me just ask you, which one are you doing to your spouse? Are you putting courage into them? Are you helping them face their, their lives? Or are you taking courage out? Are you becoming one more problem for them to have to deal with. We fall in love with people who admire us. That's how you fell in love. Someone admired you and you loved them for it. So if the shine has faded a little bit in your marriage, and it's going to, here's here's a marriage commandment. Do this one and you watch what starts to happen. Correct in private, compliment in public. You ever been around... Folks, and you're, you're with couples, and maybe you're at each other's house, you're out to eat, and, and one of them starts to tell a story. Well, we showed up at 5 o'clock. Oh, that's not right. It's more like 5.30. And we got into this red convertible. No, it was blue. Shut up! You are not helping the situation. In fact, you're undermining your spouse. If they get a few of the details wrong, just make sure the, the whole part of the story is right, but tell them later. 
And you know what? A lot of them just don't notice the details. They're going to go, oh, I didn't even know I said that. I didn't realize. Was it really blue? That's me. Janie will say, what were they wearing? Clothes. I don't know what style. I don't know what color. I don't know if they... Well, I do notice bald dudes just because I am one. You know, I'm like, yes. Misery loves company. So I, I notice that. But that's about the only thing I notice. I don't notice details. And it's not even important to the story. Quit tearing down your spouse publicly. Correct in private. Compliment in public. Number two. Get out of the fast lane. It is a choice to be in the fast lane. Enjoy the scenery from the slow lane every now and then. Most marriages are too busy and too boring. The problem is that most of us believe is that the fun is what we do when we get all the work done. But let me ask you, do you ever get all the work done? If the answer is no, then that means you never have any fun. One of the things Janie and I love about the cruises is we sit on deck and do nothing. We get to this beautiful island and we go to a beach and sit on the beach and do nothing until we swim out and do the inflatable games. That's always fun. But we just we like just hanging out. We read books and we talk and we walk in the sand and hold hands and, and the lady's going, oh, right? Isn't that what you want to do? Isn't that what you signed up for when you said, I do? Get out of the fast lane. We schedule all the fun out of our lives and then we wonder why the feelings have died. Put a date night in your schedule. Start with tonight. Oh, well, I hadn't planned to come. Well, be spontaneous for a change. It's not too late to come to the prom. We're going to have a blast tonight. You know, there's the blowout, which is a sudden rupture, but there's also a blowout, which is unbelievable fun. That's the type we're going to have tonight. Why don't you come tonight? We're going to dance and we're going to have a blast. We're going to laugh. Laughter is so good for your relationship. So come tonight. Number three, how to communicate effectively. I want you to actually write two things down. Choose the right time to talk, but then in parentheses above time, I want you to put tone. Choose the right tone to talk as well. And y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? Ecclesiastes 8.6 says, there is a right time and a right way to do everything. Timing is everything in communication, and I would say that tone is everything in communication. Your message may be right on target. You may even have a message from God. But if your timing is wrong and your tone is wrong, they're not going to receive it. They're going to tune you out. And so part of that is on you. Don't, don't, don't try to have a major talk when somebody's really stressed. Don't talk when they're trying to go out the door to work. Don't find a time. If you have to schedule it, schedule it. Number four, think before you speak. Taste your words, in other words. <clears throat> Proverbs sixteen twenty three. I love this verse. This is in the today's English version. Intelligent people think before they speak. I, I don't have to tell you the opposite of that, right? Okay. Intelligent people think before they speak. What they say is then more persuasive. Be ready to say how you feel, but ladies, especially if you're trying to communicate to us, you've got to give us a for instance. You know, if you say you never do this or you always do this, in our mind, we start thinking for the one time in our history when we didn't do what you just said we did. And we focus on that and we miss the whole point of the conversation. Instead, say, here's how I feel and then give a for instance. Let me, let me tell you how one lady did it. Her husband was a football coach, a high school football coach. And here's what she said to him. <clears throat> she said, um, I don't feel that our family is a high priority for you. She said, think of it this way. 
in the morning, you go and you meet the coaches for breakfast. You guys talk and you have a good time and you, and you get ready for your day. And when you're finished, you get a little doggy bag. At lunch, you have another meeting with your coaches and y'all eat and you have burgers that they bring in and, and you're eating and you're talking, you're having a good time, you're thinking about the game, but you're just laughing, you're just enjoying each other's company. When you finish, you put the leftovers in a doggy bag. After evening practice, you go out again, and by this time, you're really formulating your game plan, how you're going to beat the opponent this week, and you have another meal, and you eat together, and when you finish, you get a doggy bag. Then you come home, and when you come home, me and the kids have been waiting for you. We can't wait to see you, and what you do is you walk in the door, and you chunk each of us a doggy bag. You go into the living room, you turn on the TV, and you say, do not bother me. And she said, our family is starving because we were never made to exist on the leftovers. We need more than that. Okay, now some of you are going, yes, yes, I'm going to use that. Here's the thing. Listen to the last thing she said. She said, how can we make your life easier so that we get the best of your time and not the leftovers? Guys, would, would you understand that message? Sure you would. Families aren't made to last on leftovers, and so she thought about how she was going to communicate to her husband, and he made major changes. Number five, let God come between you. <clears throat> you can't be at peace with other people until you're at peace with yourself. This is huge. You get peace with yourself by having peace with God. Ephesians 2.16, the Living Bible says this, as parts of the same body, our anger against each other has disappeared, for both of us have been reconciled to God. And so the feud ended at last at the cross. The Bible says I'm in a war with God, and I want to be the boss of my life. And until I settle the conflict I have with God, I cannot have peace with anybody else. I'm going to have conflict with other people. And by the way, if you are always having conflict with other people, Guess who the common denominator is in all of your relationships? You are. Maybe you need to look in the mirror and realize you can't possibly be at peace with other people until you're at peace with God. When you bow before God and you're humble, God gives you the ability, first of all, to love other people that you wouldn't love otherwise. He gives you, uh, He heals you from your hurts and your habits and your hang-ups. And He makes you a different person. Because see... The Bible says that when Jesus is in me and Jesus is, is in you, because the Bible says when you're a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit of God living within you. You can have the mind of Christ. When I have the mind of Christ, when you have the mind of Christ, when Jesus is living in me and Jesus is living in you, Jesus is not going to fight with himself. Does this make sense? The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. When you're filled with those things and I'm filled with those things... We don't have conflict because we're dominated by God's spirit and we produce God's fruit. Sometimes you may need professional help. I mean, that's, that's just the reality. Sometimes you've got to go to a professional counselor and that's, that's okay. But many times I hear people say, husband or wife, it doesn't matter. One of them will say, I'm not going to counseling. Who do you think I am? Let me tell you real clearly who you are if you don't want to go to counseling. You're a coward. You're a chicken. You would rather pretend you have a good marriage than actually have a good marriage. And I call that cowardly. The most courageous people I know 
are the ones who come to the foot of the cross and they cry out to God to save them and to change them. And then they do whatever is necessary. If they go to Christian counseling, if they do Bible studies, whatever it is, they change because you can't keep doing the same things you've been doing because our marriages are falling apart. So we've got to do something differently. Now, we live in a contract society. You sign a contract. Go ahead and turn those lights up, the house lights, Mike. You sign a contract to buy a house, to get a cell phone. Um, Give me some other things that you sign contracts for. Get a loan, car. What else? Cell phone. That's, That's a popular one. Okay. We sign contracts, and what we've done is we've turned marriages into contracts. And God never intended for a marriage to be a contract because contracts can be broken. <clears throat> what God did was God established a covenant. And if you read the Old Testament, you understand, those of you who were here six weeks ago, I talked about this the very first Sunday, a covenant marriage. And what they would do is if, if Daniel and I are in a covenant, let's say we're going to enter a covenant, not only did Daniel and I talk about this, then, then we call witnesses together and we say we're going to go into a covenant together. In the Old Testament, they would make these, these, they would say things to one another in front of witnesses and then they would do something to cement the ceremony. They would, they would take an animal and sometimes it would be a sheep or a goat or even a cow. They would, they would cut that animal in half. If you've ever done that to an animal, you know, this doesn't take just a little bit of time. It's messy. It takes a lot of time. They would separate it in half and they would put one half over here and one half over here. And I would say to Daniel, I'd say, Daniel, I'm making a covenant with you. And I'm saying to God, God, do to me what I have done to this animal. If I violate the covenant that I make with my brother, Daniel. It's messy, and then I walk in between those two halves. And then I turn around and I look at Daniel. And Daniel takes his animal and he sacrifices it and he lays it in half. And he says, Doug, I'm, I'm committing myself to you. And may God you do to me what I've done to this animal if I violate the covenant that I make with you. And he does this, he walks through the middle, and then at the end we shake hands and we have this ceremony. And this is actually called, literally it's called the walk of death. As you walk in between the halves of the animal, you're saying, God, I'm so serious about this. I ask you to take my life if I violate this covenant. And so have you ever wondered about the symbolism of the groom side and the bride side in a wedding? This is your walk of death. How's that for a romantic thing? Let's have a walk of death. We're about to have a walk of death. Sounds fun, doesn't it? Sounds festive. That's why we have cake out there for our reception afterwards, you know. After a walk of death, you've got to have something sweet. And then we're going to have a big blowout tonight. So we're about to do this. <clears throat> and as we do this, I would like for you to stand in, order, in honor of the bride. for it. Got it? Got the music on? There it is.
surprised me. You can go ahead and take it down, Mike. Now, you look beautiful. Um, several of you have ind- indicated that you would like to renew your vows today. And so I want you to do a walk of death. If you are willing to do this, I want you to make your way to the back as a couple and come, and we're just going to line you up all the way across the front, and we're going to do a covenant marriage ceremony right now. And this is a very serious deal. Go ahead and do the music again, Mike. Why not? Y'all come on and just line up front. Somebody lead the way. There you go, Zach and Valerie. Way through, everybody's passing out because they've been standing up the whole time. What you're about to do now is in some ways more significant than the first time you did it. Go ahead and leave them all on, Mike. Um, because now you know this person. You know they're not perfect. They know you. And they're convinced you're not perfect either. And so in many ways, what we're about to do is more significant than you did it than when you did it on your wedding day. Because you know this person. And so, guys, I want you to look into the eyes of... Step up here, baby. I want you to look into the eyes of your wife. And I challenge you guys before God and before all of these witnesses that you're to accept this woman that you're looking at as a gift from God. Um, She's God's gift to you. You are to love her unconditionally. Men, you to love this woman as Christ loved the church, which is sacrificially. Putting her needs before your own. You're to love her and let your love be an example of Christ's love for the rest of us. Ladies, I want you to look at this man. And I challenge you and charge you before God to accept this man as God's gift to you. He is a gift from God for you. You're to love him unconditionally and respect him unconditionally. Now, men, I want you to repeat these vows after me, and I don't want you to whisper them. I want to hear them up here. I want to hear them on the video. <clears throat> I'll say them first, and you repeat them, men. Before God and all these witnesses. You go, Wes. I, I renew my commitment to love you. I receive you as God's precious gift to me. To have and to hold from this day forward. For better or for worse. For richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. To love you. To honor you. To cherish you. And to protect you. Forsaking all others. 
as long as we both shall live. Ladies, repeat after me. Before God and all these witnesses, I renew my commitment to love you. I receive you as God's perfect gift for me. To have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love you, to honor you, to cherish you, and to protect you, forsaking all others, as long as we both shall live. Now, I'm not going to ask some of you to take your rings off, but you did do rings back then. Some of you can't get it off because you're bloated, guys. <clears throat> but here's what I want you to do. Guys, I want you to put your hand on her ring finger. I want you to look into your wife's eyes and I want you to say these words. I give you this ring as a symbol of my love for you. And with it, I promise to always be faithful to you. Ladies, put your hand on his ring finger. Repeat after me. I give you this ring as a symbol of my love for you. And with it, I promise to always be faithful to you. Now that you've recommitted yourselves to each other before God and before all these witnesses, here in our church family is my privilege to say that for today and forevermore in the sight of heaven and earth, you are and shall continue to be husband and wife. Dudes, you may kiss your bride. All right, y'all can head back to your seat and I'll give you a, a certificate afterwards. Oh, yeah, honeymoons. Several people were saying, should we get a hotel after our prom tonight? And I'm all for that. As long as you're married, as long as you're married. <clears throat> and it's actually a good problem to have. I'm going to have to print a few more uh, covenant marriage certificates before we leave today. In um, the message translation of the Bible, when Jesus was talking in, in Matthew, he says, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And I usually read this in a, in a wedding ceremony, and, and Jesus, the way this translation says it, he says, I mean this when any two of you agree on earth. He says, my Father in heaven goes into action on your behalf. And he says, let your no be no and your yes be yes. Let your covenant be a forever yes. And that's what today was all about. And, and if you're struggling in marriage, today wasn't at all to, to point that out. Today was to say there is a hope for you because the same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available. The power that raised Christ from the dead is available to resurrect marriages. But it takes two people being filled with Christ. So some of you need to get on your knees and cry out to God and ask Him to forgive you for trying to be the boss in your life. Forgive you for some of the things you've done to other people, maybe even your spouse or your family. And to fill you with His Holy Spirit so that you might do something that you can't humanly do. You don't need human power, you need supernatural power. 
You don't need natural ability. You need supernatural ability to love each other. And for those of you who are single, do not make the choice too quickly. The biggest factor, there's two big factors in divorce. Number one is the age at which you get married. The younger you are, the more likely you are to get a divorce. The second is how emotionally and spiritually mature are you when you get married? If you're not spiritually and emotionally mature, there's no way you can know who God wants for you. In fact, you're probably not even listening to God when you make choices. So you've got to wait on God's timing. And I've told you this before. Janie and I dated. We broke up. We were apart for a long time. And it's not a coincidence that I'm walking across. I went to a conference at Baylor University and I'm walking across the campus. This was in July of 1990. I'm walking across campus and I'm remembering, you know, when I was in college there and all this stuff. And I finally said to God, I said, God, I am so sick of playing games and trying to figure out who my wife should be on my own. I said, I, I, I just totally surrender to you, God. Little did I know that at Sam Houston State University, that same week, Janie's walking across campus. And she says, God, I'm so tired of playing games. I do not want to do this my way. If you want me to be married, great. If you don't want me to be married, great. I'm willing to wait on you, God. Within a month, God worked out these circumstances where we got back together. Four months later, we got engaged. Another five months after that, six months after that, we got married. When you do it God's way, you receive God's blessing. So my encouragement to you, if you're single, do not run ahead of God. Because the pain never goes away from a broken marriage. Never fully goes away. So wait on your heavenly father. Um, I want you to take your registration cards if you would. Fill those out. And I want you to think about the area of communication that you most need to work on. We talked about practicing affirmation. That means building someone up. We talked about getting out of the fast lane, choosing the right time to talk or tone to talk. Think before you speak and let God come between you. Which of those things, and and by the way, you don't even have to be married to uh, think about those things. Which one of those do you most need to work on to be a better communicator? And write that on the back of your card. We have uh, three baskets out back. We have our joy basket. All of our church members, regular attenders, you're expected to give. Um, When you don't give, when you come regularly and you don't give... It's as if you're going to a place to eat lunch and skipping out on the check. Now, if you're a guest, we never ask for anything from you. You can come as long as you need to. But the folks who who God has called here, we're supposed to pick up the check. And so that means we give. And and the Bible says God loves a a joyful, cheerful giver. That's why we call it the joy basket. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. We have a second basket. It's our registration card basket. If you'll put your cards in there, if you have prayer concerns, put those on there. If, if you really are struggling with something, put that on there. But if you have a praise, I love to read good news too. So write a praise on there and I'll pray through those things during the week. And then we have something called our bagel basket. That's building a great life, B-A-G-L. And that's we're trying to get out of debt because we do not believe God is finished with New Life Community Church. So now we have out back, we've got some cake. It's a big old wedding cake. Um, and half of it is is vanilla or the the yellow cake and the other half is chocolate and it all has buttercream icing which is my favorite and when you're when my wife is the one that 
buys it, I get to choose the icing. So um, we want you to have that. And then if you're interested in coming tonight, come and join us. What we need right now is we need the back two rows of chairs, actually back three rows here in the middle section. If you would stack those and put them against the wall because our tables are going to be in here. We're going to be decorating today. If you're going to Haiti and you're helping tonight, we need you here about 4.30 this afternoon to help us decorate and get everything else set up. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, I just want to praise you for thinking up marriage. I want to praise you for establishing the physical family in the Garden of Eden and giving us a set of instructions that if we follow, our families thrive for generations. And then, God, I want to thank you that Jesus Christ came to establish the spiritual family because, quite honestly, a lot of us, our physical families aren't functioning very well and we need new brothers and sisters to do life with, to encourage us when we're down, to lift us up, to bear burdens with, and to have fun with. God, I can't imagine any place else I would rather live, any place else I would rather be than right here at New Life Community Church. And as long as you leave me alive, God, I want to give my life to you and to this church, and I want to help people have the lives that you intend for them. And God, in this crowd, there are people that you've added to our church. There there are people that are supposed to be leaders in different areas of our church right now. And I pray that you show them that. And that you reveal to them that that you gift us, not for our own selves, but to, to build up the body of Christ. So help us to find out our spiritual gifts and help us to serve you and serve the church and build up your kingdom. And Father, for those who are hurting today, I pray that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus and that they would think on things that are true and honorable and right and pure and lovely. If there's anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, that their mind would dwell on those things and not on what they don't have. Turn us into a group of devoted followers of Christ who would storm the gates of hell for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.